Um, we're in the midst of a series of messages right now that uh, is entitled U-Turn, Breaking Through Roadblocks to Life. We began this series um, on Father's Day, June 19th. And uh, over the last number of weeks, we've been addressing a number of different, uh, very common roadblocks for all of us in our lives. No matter what stage of life we're in, no matter what uh, education or experience or cultural background we might have, whatever our vocation, our, uh, you know, we're male or female, whatever, whatever that all might be, these are common roadblocks that are faced by us as human beings. And... Um, God has been just graciously speaking to us week in and week out around these various roadblocks. We began on June 19th with uh, breaking through the roadblock of rejection. Uh, we continued uh, the next week with breaking through the roadblock of shame. Then it was breaking through the roadblock of unbelief. Uh, then breaking through the roadblock of apathy. And last week, Pastor Dave Ogren spoke to us around breaking through the roadblock of pride. And all of this comes kind of in the context of this 90 days in his presence, the year of return. Um, and on the 12th at our celebration Sunday, I spoke uh, really a sort of a prophetic directional message to us um, about the Lord is here. And all of those messages, I just wanted to, to list some of those just so that uh, if any of those particularly would tweak your attention, um, we have uh, CDs available for you. They're already made with the PowerPoint notes uh, for all of those. I've been informed by very dear and close family members of mine that sometimes when I have a fair amount of text up there and they're attempting to take notes, which my 11-year-old Noah is now trying to do as well, which is wonderful, but sometimes the slide may move on to the next before he's been able to get it all written down, but you can get those uh, sermon notes. They are available in the back. You can also always go to our website, uh, www.bethelTwinCities.org new uh, Bethel domain name, domain name, and you can download those off of, so you can follow us even if uh, you are over in the UK, like some of our friends right here, Daniel and Rosie, um, you can follow us, and I know many of our missionaries actually do tell me that they, they listen consistently, and so thank you to all of you uh, up in the sound booth and everywhere else who kind of make this happen, because it really does keep a connection there. Uh, that is significant and important for us. So, um, I also want to mention one other thing, just kind of uh, as in, in the context of this series of messages. On the um, second to last weekend of August, let me get the exact date here, August 26th, 27th, actually the last full weekend of August, that Friday night and Saturday, we are having a very special breakthrough weekend. Um, pastor Sam Snyder, our pastor in our lead pastor in Minneapolis, will be leading us in that. Uh, I'll be involved. Brian and Paula Doty, uh, who are uh, missionaries of ours over been in Indonesia, most recently in the Philippines, are going to be here with us that weekend. They're going to be a part of this. They've seen incredible stuff, God moving in, in powerful ways. And we're going to be coming together uh, to take what we've been imparted to by the word and we're going to couple that with the power of the Spirit and prayer. And we're going to really trust God for breakthroughs in these various areas that we've been addressing. So I want to encourage you now to just set that into your calendar, set that into your thoughts as an opportunity. Because 
Um, just as been, has been said, and, and I love James's uh, encouragement to us this morning about the Lord, you won't relent until you have it all. That's not a threat. That's a comfort. That's a, that's a grace. That God loves us so much that, that, that he wants us, he, he, he actually said, I've come to bring you life and life to the full. And so when, when we're experiencing less than fullness of life, he loves us so much, he wants to help us break through these areas in our life in order to bring us into deeper life in him. And greater freedom and greater joy and greater delight in his, in his presence. And so that's what that weekend is going to be about. Um, you know, it's not going to be about, oh man, you're going to that weekend, you must have problems. Well, guess what? I'll be right there at the front of the line, all right? So, because we're all, we're all as human beings facing these ongoing challenges and roadblocks. And God wants to help bring breakthrough. That's part of this year of return. He wants to bring breakthrough. All right. So, this morning, we are going to be addressing a topic which is common to all human beings. And that is the issue of lust. All right? And we're going to be talking about breaking through the roadblock of lust. And type at the top of your bulletin and right here on the screen and in your Bible you'll find in 1 John 2. And so if you've got your Bible, you can also turn there and, and, and kind of hang there and come back to there over and over again. Because we're going to kind of be referring to this passage over and over again. This is our foundational scripture for the message this morning from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. I'm going to read that again. I want you to just kind of, I want, I want you to soak in this for just a minute. This is a very significant and important text for us to be addressing here this morning in the light of U-turn and breaking through the roadblock of lust. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now, we need to do just a little bit of defining here, because... At initial blush, you read that and you say, don't love the world. Well, what's, what's the Apostle John talking about here? We need to understand that scripturally, um, in the scriptures, when you come across the world, there might be several different connotations. One of the connotations to the world is simply the created order which has been, which has been created and is sustained by God. If you go over to... Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. 
you'll see that it says there, talking about Jesus, verse 15, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So it's very important that we understand because there have been various teachings down through the years, uh, down through the centuries actually, down through the millennium, about there, there have been people that have, have seen all of the world in the created order and matter itself as evil. In fact, that's where Gnosticism, we, it, which is addressed scripturally many times, comes from where, where there's sort of a, anything that is material is evil. And that's not true. Because the world and the created order has been created and sustained by God himself. And when he created it, he said himself in Genesis 1, it was good. So it's good. The second thing that the Bible talks about when it's defining the world, the second definition that the scripture gives us is of the human race who have been created and loved by God. Male and female, he created them in his image. And when he looked at them, he said they were good. And John 3, 16, perhaps the most familiar passage in all of the scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. God loves the world. All human beings whatever their background, wherever they're at, whatever culture they live in, whatever experience they come from, wherever you're at this morning, you need to know God loves you. He loves the world. So, the Apostle John now is, how can we say, do not love the world? When clearly God so loved the world. And he said that it was good. He created it. So we need to have and expand our understanding of what the world means, and specifically in the context here of our scripture in 1 John 2 here, but also in many other places in the scripture, we need to understand that when the Bible is talking about the world, it's talking about the world system, which is in rebellion and opposition to God. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I think it was yesterday. I was reading the paper. I can't remember if it was yesterday or Friday. It was one of the two days. and It could have been this morning as well, but I think it was yesterday. I'm reading through the paper. I'm reading through the you know, kind of the front page and the world section, then I'm reading through the local section, and I, I literally, I, I said these words to Annette, it's, it's just, my heart was broken. It was like one atrocity, an awful thing after another. Now you read this morning and the, the horrible events over in Norway, and I mean, you know, I don't know what that does to you, but my heart just aches and breaks when I, you know, my stepdad setting his son on fire. God, in a family situation, so 
Mark Buback, in his book, The Adversary, has this definition of the world, which I think is, is pretty comprehensive and, and, and kind of helpful. And this is one of those ones you might not get it all down, but the PowerPoint will be available for you, all right? But the world is the whole organized system made up of varying and changing social, economic, materialistic, and religious philosophies, which have their expression through the organizations and personalities of human beings. The world system in its function is a composite expression of the depravity of man and the intrigues of Satan's rule, combining in opposition to the sovereign rule of God. It's individuals and systems. I mean, the, the poor, deluded man who just did all of these atrocities in Norway, caught in the world system. A system that says them are evil. Fed by perhaps some internal personality things that were going on. And, and, and I'm sure the enemy... I mean, if you don't believe in Satan, read the newspaper this morning. All right. So when we're talking about do not love the world, this is what we're talking about. Now, the issue that we face in this the issue where it comes kind of home into our lives individually as well as systemically because systems are made up of people and individuals who, again, out of that world order then create broken systems. Broken people create broken systems. And because brokenness is a part of human humanity, our systems are broken. But this worldliness, when it comes to individual, I'm going to kind of bring it to us and, and on a personal level, worldliness, because you, you've heard that word. We don't use it as frequently anymore because, I don't know why, because we're too sophisticated. But, but it, it's still a, a real word with real connotations. Worldliness has to do with our internal responses and external reactions as we interact with the world system. Listen, it is not first and foremost the things that we do. Worldliness, we all, we're always thinking about the actions, and the actions are simply the responses and reactions to the internal, the, the, are the external reactions to the internal responses. It's the motives and attitudes of our minds and wills which ultimately direct our actions. Our affections are ultimately set on the world or God. It is impossible to love them both. Now let me try to illustrate this just a little bit. Jesus taught this in Mark chapter 7. I'm not going to put it up there. You can listen in. Mark chapter 7, verse 14. Again, Jesus called to the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside of a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, listen to this. He, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, 
from within, from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. This is very significant and important when we're addressing this issue of worldliness because it's not about simply cleaning up your behaviors on the outside. I love this. I heard this years and years ago. I heard somebody say this, and I've never forgotten. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And when they come alive, and God begins to work from the inside out, goodness follows. but it comes out of life. Is that, you with me? Making sense? Okay. Now, back to our text in 1 John, so you've still got that open. Take a look, because there's three things that John specifically addresses here. The first is the cravings of the flesh, which means being controlled by our appetites and therefore driven to self-indulgence. You've been around here at all for any length of time. You've heard me talk about how the Spirit of God leads the enemy or our own unhealed flesh. The world drives us. This cravings of the flesh, when we are controlled by our appetites, we are driven to self-indulgence, which is a bondage. By the way, if you did not know. That's, that's where bondage comes. We're being controlled by our appetites. The second is the lust of the eyes. The eyes are the source of desire and can, again, drive us into captivity. I see it. I want it. I'm going to have it. We don't even realize it has me. It has me. See it, want it, gonna have it, and before I know it, it has If you've ever dealt with any kind of addiction whatsoever, you know the truth. The boasting of what we have and do, or in some of your translations, it says the pride of life, really. That the, the root word here is that of arrogance. It's the arrogance of a person who thinks that they produce their own wealth and trust that wealth for security and serenity. So here it is. There's this, this, um, uh, there, there's this desire, there, or the, there's this, this sense that I have achieved all that I am. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I am a rock. I am an island. All that I have, all that I've done. Look at me. Look at me. Look at all of my accomplishments. Many of the old saints have told us and instructed us, and they've been true, and it comes right out of this passage. There are three main challenges that we face in our Christian life. Money, sex, and power. 
and they're right here, boasting of what we have to do, money, lust of the eyes, sex, cravings of the flesh, power. Money, sex, and power. Three of the most significant challenges that we face. All right. Before I get to the antidote, I want to give you a reality check. I've been continuing because I just got so... Um, many of you know, some of you who are here now just have started coming in the summer, you might not realize. We as a congregation are in the midst of an um, ongoing uh, process together called Saturate, a scripture immersion experience. And what we're doing is together as a congregation, we are reading through the scriptures together. And so we've read through the whole New Testament and we've read through the first five books, the Pentateuch um, in the Old Testament. But I was so, um, I, I've just been so enjoying it, I just wanted to keep reading. So I've been continuing to read. Sorry, I'm reading ahead. Is that okay, Norma? Do I have permission to read ahead? Okay, good. All right. And uh, so I've been reading. I've read through Joshua. I'm in the midst of Judges. And I saw something in Judges as I was reading a a week and a half ago or so. And and it just, I, I don't know. I'm sure I've read this many times before. But it was one of those he touched me moments. So right now I want to pause and give us a reality check. And here's the reality check that comes out of the book of Judges. God says, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their forefathers did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands which he had given their forefathers through Moses. Do you see this? Those nations, those tests, those adversaries, those opponents have been left in our lives in order to test, teach, and train us towards godliness. I've been pastoring now for 27 years or more, 21 years here in this place. I can't tell tell you how many conversations I've had with young men who have said, if only... You know, my desires, could, could, could you just, could, could those just somehow vanish, be taken away? Well, one, you really don't want that to happen. You really don't. But two, God allows, I mean, we're in the midst of this because we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battlefield, and He leaves us these adversaries in order to train and deepen us and deepen our character in godliness. We wouldn't develop greater godliness if we never had, you know, your muscles are never going to grow. You, you know, if you, if you work out, you know that you have to push your muscles to a place where it's sort of beyond where their current capacity is so that they will grow. 
Have you ever noticed that if you struggle in a particular area, have you ever noticed that it keeps coming back in different ways over and over and over again? I don't know. Has anybody else ever noticed that ever ever happened to you? Okay. I'm not the only one then that that happens to? Okay. Because we're being trained. We're being tested. The word there has to do with proving our faith. Your faith, having gone through, Peter says, as refined as though by fire will come forth as gold. You don't get gold if you don't go through the fire. It's the only way. So I just want to, I want to give that reality check because I think sometimes we expect that this is all going to go away. Most every male in the world struggles in the area of lust, lust of the eyes. I'm grateful for friends who've gone before me and who are older than I am. I'm both grateful and I'm also, it's like, oh man, because they tell me, I mean, I've got friends in their 70s still struggling, still challenged, walking disciplined lives, but still challenged. It's like, okay? Don't be discouraged by that, but be encouraged by this word that God leaves those in our lives in order to build our capacity for victory. All right. Antidote. So what's the, what's the opposite of worldliness? Well, here's another old word that we don't use any, much anymore because it's sort of gone out of fashion. It doesn't sound very sophisticated. And maybe it sounds a little... It's got, got a lot of stuff attached to it sometimes. I want to pull away some of the attachments and try to get us at the heart of it. Godliness, like worldliness, has to do with our internal responses and external reactions as we center our life in relationship with God. It is not first and foremost the things that we do. It is the motives and attitudes of our minds and wills which ultimately direct our actions. Our affections are ultimately set on the world or God. It is impossible to love them both. So here it is. So if you wrote down the worldliness one, just change a couple words here and you get the godliness piece. All right? Godliness is not so much about, you know, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's about these internal qualities which create a disposition of life as we are oriented around God, as we're centered in Him. Scripture that's really helpful for us in this. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. I love this scripture. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. There is a living hope in the resurrection. He's given us new birth into living hope. And out of that hope, 
we have the hope of resurrection. 2 Peter 1. Go to 2 Peter 1. Not on the screen. I love both 1 Peter 1 and 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Did you hear that? It's not up there. You've got to look it up or listen up. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness, through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It happens through His promise. It happens through His power. It's not about you clenching your teeth and pulling up your straps on your bootstraps or whatever that all is. It's not going to be about you kind of, I'm going to make this happen. It's His work in you. It's His power. It's His birth. It's His hope. It's His living hope into that inheritance that will enable you to walk in Godliness. All right. So, Jesus said, here's, here's, I'm going to use this as kind of the foundation for walking out Godliness. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Pastor Sam preached on this. We did the, the 3G network, the gospel network. He preached on the great commandment. I, I know it's a, it's a wonderful message. But I... That, Remember that and kind of have that as a foundation for what we're going to talk about right now. All right. We're going to start at the end of the sentence, loving God with all of your mind. It's really the battle that we're facing, the battle we're talking about, often begins right here. It's really a, it's really a, a battle of the mind. And, you know, we've, we've already looked at this scripture before, but let's look at it again. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sells itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So here's, here's the key, people, for us. The, the strongholds are, are, are here in our mind. That's where, the, that's where the real battlefield is taking place. The war is going to be won, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but the battlefield is in your mind. For all of these things, the cravings, the lust, the arrogance and the boasting, all of that is here in your mind. That's where the battle is being played out. Our thoughts are the battlefield, leading us 
toward or away from God. Our thoughts are constantly leading us towards or away from God. A simple little poem. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. That's good. Begins with a thought. Thought, act, habit, character, destiny. So, let me give you just a few practical things that you might want to consider in terms of this battlefield going on in your and my minds. What can we do? Do a good mind washing. Do a good mind washing. Somebody once said, and I think it's right, it's kind of like um, if we've been caught in some things in our lives, they're like coffee grounds sitting in, uh, what, what, are the, what do you put the grounds in? You put them in a uh, filter, thank you. They're caught in the filter. They're sitting there in the filter. And so they're sort of, as, as, as life goes on, they're, they're sort of staining. They're, they're, but but as it, if you don't add to the coffee grounds and you're pouring through water and you continue to wash, those grounds get more and more and more diluted over time. If you've been struggling with an addiction to pornography, as you wash your mind over time, you know, and the scripture says, whatever so things are pure and good, and, and, and as you simply as you stop looking at those images that get burned into your memory, the longer time there is from that, the more washing of good things, the more purifying that happens, okay? The world brainwashes us, by the way. God doesn't, I mean, Christianity, I mean, you know, the world is the, yeah, it brainwashes us in a, in a distorted, degraded way. But God washes us in pure water. That's where we, that's why the saturate is so important. Just keep saturating yourself in the Word. As you do that, it begins to change your thought patterns and they begin to be led towards God. Deal with worldliness as an addiction. This is where AA really gets it right. They get a lot of stuff right and they really get it right here. Step one is, I realized that I had a problem and that I was powerless to do anything about it. You are not going to win this battle in your own strength. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. You're not rich enough. You're not gifted enough. You're not talented enough. You're not good looking enough. Sorry. You are not going to win this battle with worldliness in your own ability. So go ahead and confess that you are powerless. It's a marvelously freeing thing. Right? Anybody, anybody here who's struggled with addictions? Yes, isn't that one of the most powerful things when you just say, 
Yep. I was powerless. Couldn't do it. Can't do it. Develop deeper godly relationships. Develop relationships of accountability. I'm so grateful for the relationships of accountability in my life. I have many different layers and levels of those relationships. And they have saved me more than once. When I go traveling, because I've traveled all over the world, I I talk to one of my friends and say, okay, when I come back, you ask me, how did you do? Were you looking at stuff you shouldn't have been looking at? How'd you do? Accountability. I don't want to try to do this on my own. I can't. It's another beauty of AA. I mean, having a sponsor, have somebody in your life who's further along in the journey than you are who can speak into your life and who you can open your life transparently to. James says, confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. I'm telling you, the bondage simply is stronger when it's in the shadows. When you're hiding it, you're holding it, you know, and it's like, no, I don't really have, I, I don't know, I've got nothing. What do you mean? Huh? There's nothing going on. Oh, no, no, all's fine. It's incredibly freeing when you say, here it is. Discover your deeper, true need. What's your true need? Again, some great spiritual folks down through the years have, have, have developed, and they got a, a wonderful little acronym, and acronyms, as we know, are of God, okay? So the acronym is HALT. Very simple, HALT. You are most vulnerable when you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you're vulnerable. What's your deeper need? You might need to take a nap. You might just simply be hungry. You might be lonely. You need a friend. You might be angry and you need to figure out what it is that's doing that in you. But do you, is this practically helpful for anybody? Also, I've been speak, talking to my spiritual director about this, I think. You also get, I've also discovered in my life that, that when I'm kind of out of my usual rhythm of life, when I'm, when I'm just out of, you know, when things are out of, you know, because I'm kind of a ducks in a row kind of guy, okay? I like certain, you know, kind of, and when that gets all disrupted and discombobulated, I get disoriented and I'm more vulnerable. Okay? Anybody else? Happens to you? Okay? Vacations or summer times or, you know, times when you're just out of your normal routines. Delight in godly discipline. Oh, but discipline. I don't want discipline. Really? Huh? The godly disciplines, in fact, the godly disciplines can really help us break through some things. If you are, 
if you're craving, if you are, if you are addicted, I mean, you know, in our culture, one of the great addictions is entertainment. If you are addicted to it, fast. I remember years ago when I was feeling like, and this is a long time ago, but I was feeling like, you know, TV had more of an input in my life than it really should have. I just fasted from it. Just broke that. I mean, it's just, it just, it detached from that. And it's not had that control in my life. If you're struggling with hanging on to money because you're, you're you know, the wealth and all of that, and you, you know, do the discipline of giving. Just start generously, lavishly. Just figure out a way to pour out some money. It'll break its hold on you really quick. It does. There's nothing like generosity to break the hold of greed. There are so many of these godly disciplines that he brings us to for our good. Delight in them. They're not drudgery. They're not duty. They're delight. Because they're there to bring us into freedom. Love this scripture. 1 Timothy 6.6 Godliness with contentment is great. Alright. We're almost there. Love God with all your soul. Love Him with all your mind. Love Him with all your soul. But you, O oh man of God, woman of God, Flee from all... I mean, he's speaking to Timothy. So he's speaking to a man. But he's saying directly to him. You, O man of God, be speaking to us too. Flee from all of this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Our soul is the seat of where our will is at. It's, you know, providing... So, so our thoughts are the first place in, but our soul is the place... You know, it's, it's the place where the rudder of our life. And we must take responsibility for our attitudes and actions and choose to submit ourselves to God's will and be obedient to his commands and purposes. It's a choice. It's a responsibility. Just like Pastor Dave shared with us last week, you can't do this. Well, the world is making me do this. Well, you just don't know who I'm married to. You haven't met my boss. Well, you don't know, you don't know what my pastor is. Okay? One going out, three coming back. <laughs> Those of you listening, fingers rather than one finger going out, three coming back. So if you think you're standing firm, yeah. Oh, Pastor, I'm so glad you're preaching this. Man, I know some people sitting here who really need to hear this word. In fact, I'm going to get some copies of the tapes from some other folks. Well, maybe there are some folks that you can. But if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And I love this. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can 
But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up. Isn't that good? God is faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. I can't help myself. All right. Then cry out to God. And let him help you. I know what it's like to feel like you can't help yourself. It's bigger and stronger than you are. But the good news is it's not bigger and stronger than God. I love that song we sang. And let me see if I can find the words. You, you fail. Fail us not. What is that one? Fail us not. Yeah. Failure doesn't phase you. Worry doesn't win. Loss doesn't leave. You afraid to start again. Our sin doesn't shock you. Our shame doesn't shame you at all. Mistakes don't move you. Terror doesn't tame. Death doesn't doom you to a life in the grave. Our suffering doesn't scare you. Our secrets won't surprise you at all. God doesn't go, oh my goodness. <gasps> God never has gasps of shock. It just doesn't. Whatever you're going through, he's not going to go, oh my. Oh boy. Never faced that one before. It just, it doesn't. We've got this, we think God's kind of like us. He's really not. Whatever your stuff is, bring it to him. He's not, it's not like he doesn't know it anyway. You may think you're hiding it really well. You're just not hiding it at all. Come on. All right. Battlefield. The skirmishes are all in our mind. Sort of the supply line, the place where we're, we're really, you know, where it's really getting worked out is in our will and the decisions and purposes that we've made. Here's where the war is finally won. The war is really won in your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, the deepest passion of our soul is meant for God. When we love God with all that we are, we experience the true intimacy that we're really honestly longing and listen to this when the true God comes the false gods go that's the wonderful news when the true God comes the false gods go so if you really want to win the war give your heart to God Give your heart to God. That's how you'll see Him. And we all want to see Him. That's the deepest longing in all of our souls, whether we know it or not. Because that's what we were created for. We were created for a relationship with Him. He didn't have to create us at all, but He did because He wanted to have relationship and bring more into the joy of His community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
This is how God showed his love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Because I wanted to end here, and this is the last scripture in worship team. Come on up, if you would. I wanted to end here because I wanted to remind us, because again, this is the kind of message that is particularly prone for us to translate through the, through the, the lens of what I've got to do. I've got to do more. I just, I got to love, I, I got to love God with more of my mind. I got to love God with more of my, of, of, of my soul and more of my, my heart. And the fact is you do. But here's the other fact that you need to hear. The fact is it's God's love for us that it actually enables that love in you to be expressed and to happen. So I want to leave you with that note of grace. Because it's His love in and for us. That He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the deliverer. He is the Savior. He is the healer. He is the comforter. He is the strength. He is hope. He is wisdom. He is everything you need. Is Jesus. So the word of grace is this, just just throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. Just throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. That's where true freedom works. breaking through the roadblocks of worldliness. You've struggled, I've struggled. We may be struggling right now. God knows all about it. And He loves you so much that He's made a way through Jesus Christ, the atoning sacrifice, to set you free that you can experience life and life to the fall. So this morning, if you want to join me at this altar, as together we just pour our hearts out to God. Go ahead and put up the words, hungry I come to you. I know that you satisfy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Only he will satisfy that deepest hunger of your heart. I'm empty, but I know your love doesn't run dry. I'm offering all of me to you again, Lord, that you might fill me. So we're going to sing this through and I'm going to invite you to just stay if you would just present for a few more moments so we can so we can present ourselves to the Lord and respond. This isn't about information today, God, people. God wants to bring transformation in our lives. He's really serious about this. He loves us so much. He wants us to return and experience transformation in Him. So could you stand to your feet so people can move? where they are and if you'd like to step out this morning and come to this altar and join me here we're going to do that we're going to sing through this then I'm going to give a benediction prayer but let's come and respond right now here we go hungry I come to you just open your hands ask Liz to pray and 
If you see somebody up here, if you want to come, I'd ask prayer folks to just quietly make their way out right now. Other leaders, just come and pray with those who are here at the altar. Feel free to do that. And Liz is going to pray, and then I'll give the final benediction. Lord, we are hungry. Lord, we admit that we are powerless. Lord, but we do so want to be with you. Lord, we want to be with you. Our desire is for you. Our heart is for you, God. Lord, and we just lay it all down. We give it all to you, God. Lord, we thank you that your love does not run dry. God, we thank you that you are patient, Lord, that you're long-suffering. But Lord, we're tired of it. We're done. We're really done. God, just come in your power. God, touch us. Touch our lives. Take these areas. Take these things. Glorify yourself in us. Release us, Lord. Lord, we just wait. Lord, we're going to wait until, until you release us, God. benedictions. Jesus Christ, the Son. That you might be flooded with the inexhaustible strength, comfort, hope, and power of the Holy Spirit. To be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house. Sent to make disciples of all children. Sent to proclaim that there is a Savior and a healer and a deliverer. A Lord, a Master, who loves you. Until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home. I pray that you might be filled with the goodness of God the banner of his favor be flying over your life now and always through Jesus Christ